Welcome to the Farming Without the Bank podcast, the show with a no BS approach to money. Hosted by a farm strategy expert and authorized IBC practitioner. Join us as we get real and expose the flaws of traditional financial institutions in order to help farmers take control of their finances, create peace of mind, grow their wealth, and leave a legacy. Now, here's your host, Mary Jo Ehrman. And welcome back to the podcast, or thank you for joining if this is your first one. I appreciate you being here. Today, we are going to talk about who owns the policy on who and key man policies. This is a huge subject with me. It is something that we do a lot of in our office just because we have a lot of family operations going on. And if we're farming with mom and dad, maybe the son wants to buy a policy on mom and dad. And so key man policies, let's just talk about that first. In order to have a key man policy, you have to have an insurable interest on the person that you want to buy the policy on. So with that being said, that means that if I farm with my brother, I can have a policy on his life and he can have a policy on my life because we're farming together. If I need a policy on my mom and dad, I can have a policy on my mom and dad because I'm most likely going to have some sort of an estate, something or another to take care of, or maybe I'm in charge of the estate, or maybe I'm the one that's going to be buying the land out upon their death, okay? So I have insurable interest. They have to be a key man. If you have a hired hand that has been with you for years and he pretty much runs everything because you're running a different part of a business or a different part of your operation, then you have insurable interest in that individual you can have a policy on their life. Now, you can't just go write a policy on somebody's life. They have to be okay with that. They have to sign off on it. They have to give us their gross income and their net worth. They have to go through a paramed exam, blood, height, weight, urine, the nurse comes to the house. They have to sign the application, okay? They have to be okay with it. They will know that you are buying a policy, you're paying the premium, and that you are the beneficiary of that policy. They will know that they're not most likely going to get any of that money. Now, there are so many ways to do this. If they agree, then we have all the questions of how do we do it and how do we protect it and all this good stuff. And so with a key man policy, let's say that you buy it on a hired hand. You can have it set up so that maybe you get 50% of the death benefit and his spouse or his family gets the other 50. Now, if you're the owner of that policy, you can change those beneficiaries at any time. Your employee does not have say of what can happen. So you might want to have a legal document in place that says, as long as I'm employed here, 
my spouse will get the other 50%. There might have to be some sort of a legal document outside of that saying, you know what, we have this legal document, my spouse, you know, the guy died and the spouse didn't get their 50%. Beneficiaries and owners of policies can be changed at any time. So nothing is set in stone. Today, people might be getting along and tomorrow they're not and it's changed. And I'm sure some of you listening have heard those horror stories of one family member coming in and coercing dad to change beneficiary when he wasn't of sound mind and body. Um, and then we have to prove that and oh, it just gets very messy. But if we have a family operation, then the kid most likely wants to have a policy on mom and dad. And the reason they would do that is so that when mom and dad pass away, they have death benefit that they can use to either buy out the siblings. Maybe they want to use that death benefit for operating, to pay taxes, to clean up an estate. Um, there's a lot of reasons why you're going to want death benefit on your parents if you are operating with them. And it's funny because a lot of people don't consider the fact that with the land comes operating and taxes. And so the off the farm child might say, well, I'm just going to, you know, I got the money and it needs to be fair. If he got a million dollars of land, I want a million dollars of cash. Well, okay, but that's equal. That's not fair, right? So fair is, hmm, let's look at the fact that he's got a he's got a million dollars of land, but he also has operating costs to go with that. He's got taxes to go with that. And if nobody left him money for operating, the bank might say, glad you got a million dollars, but I'm not giving you any operating money. It happens. <laughs> it happens. And it's happened to a couple of my clients. Dad's passed away and the bank said, nope, sorry, no operating money. So it don't, don't tell me it's not going to happen, but that might be one reason why the kids want a policy on dad. Maybe dad, mom and dad want a policy on the kid, and they should have one. Both parties should have policies on each other. And the reason why is because if the kid passes away, if mom and dad are 75 years old and slowing down and the kid passes away and he's the one that did all the planting and figuring out what's going to be seeded and he was the one doing all the continuing education and really keeping everything up to date, well, what happens when they pass and dad doesn't know how to use the equipment or he's just not able to go out and farm? He's going to have to hire somebody to do that. And on... This might not be the exact time in the podcast to bring this up, but on that note, if a child passes away, dad's not just going to get up and go to the field tomorrow and be okay. Death benefit is not there just to cover expenses. Death benefit is there to mourn. And if we lose a parent or we lose a child, we have to mourn. We have to mourn mentally, emotionally, and if we have other people that we need to take care of, we might have to help them mourn. Typically, when dad dies first, what I've seen with my clients is when dad dies first, the child on the farm is having to emotionally take care of mom because mom may not have been expecting that or vice versa. 
we don't know how somebody's going to handle a death. So if mom passes, dad might not be okay, and we might need to make sure he's taken care of emotionally. We might need to make sure he's taken care of physically and that somebody's cooking for him (laughs) because maybe he wasn't the one cooking and doing laundry all those years. So now we need to teach him how to use the washer and dryer and what's the difference between the two. And if you think that's not a real thing, you know, I'm going to just let you in on a little secret in my household. We had our washer and dryer for about a year. And my husband, I said, put the clothes in the washer. And he said, they're already there. I said, no, they're not. And he goes, yeah, they're already there. I said, that's the dryer. <laughs> so, so, you know, men don't always know. Some of, some of us women do not trust those guys to do our laundry. So you, we have to think of those things. And those are other reasons why we would want to have a policy on another member of the operation. So then it leads us into, well, what if we have a corporation? Does a corporation own the policy? Well, is that person that you're trying to insure part of the corporation? So if dad and the son own the corporation and we're trying to insure mom, then there's no insurable interest there for the corporation to own a policy on mom's life. So in that case, you know, maybe dad is uninsurable, And so we're like, well, we know when mom passes away, the corporation is going to have to, you know, take over. And so we want a policy on mom's life. Well, in that instance, maybe the son wants to personally own the policy. Because here's the deal. Whoever owns the policy has to sign off on a loan. So if you have a LLC or a corporation that owns it, all all owners of the LLC or the head, the one who owns a majority, is the one that gets to sign off. So if you have a majority owner, fine, we only need one signature. But if it's an LLC that's owned 50-50, we need two signatures on that loan. And you need two signatures for any beneficiary that's been changed, or you need two signatures for any ownership change. Um, If there is a majority owner that says this person can make those decisions and that person can change the ownership and the beneficiary at any time. We also have to look at legal reasons. Now, every state, for bankruptcy purposes, every state has different laws. North Dakota is horrible. So I don't know that your state could get any worse. There's no possible way any state could get worse than North Dakota. But a lot of states are better than North Dakota. But please talk to a bankruptcy attorney in your state that understands how life insurance is treated in the form of a bankruptcy. In North Dakota, there's only like $3,000 that's protected. It is absolutely pathetic. We are letting people pass away and we have widows without death benefit because if the husband fell bankruptcy, they're taking the whole life policy. Um, But in other states, it is 100% protected in some other states. So find out where it's at. But if the LLC owns that policy, now guess what? The LLC that's part of the LLC's asset. The LLC can pay the premium. It cannot expense the premium. It's going to act like a draw from the company. The premium is going to act like a draw. But then the death benefit's going to come back into the LLC. It's going to be an asset. The cash value is going to be an asset on the books. But 
how is it going to be treated for bankruptcy? I don't know, based on your state. You might want to have an LLC set up that just owns the policy. So there's no liability if somebody, you know, gets hurt on a tractor or a cow gets out and hit. There's no liability there that can go after the policy if it's not protected. So we have to see what entity is going to own it. But remember, if you start that policy as you as the owner, you can change that ownership to an LLC with just a small amount of paperwork. There's not any question from the insurance company as long as the current owner is signing off on that. I also want you to consider nursing home. If, for example, you own a policy on mom and dad and they go into the nursing home, you have the policy on mom and dad if you are paying for it out of your pocket. If mom and dad own the policy on themselves, it is subject to Medicaid. And so if they do not have long-term care, guess what? Medicaid is going to come in and say, I want you to drain the cash value of that policy in order to qualify for Medicaid because the cash value is an asset. Now, again, every state interprets this Medicaid long-term care stuff differently. So you're going to want to go to your state. But people don't think of that. And I'm going to be honest, I had no idea. I had a client whose husband went into the nursing home and we had to drain her cash value, meaning we had to take a full loan on it, not physically take the money out. But we had to take a full loan on that in order for him to qualify for Medicaid because he did not have long-term care. So just because... John went into the nursing home doesn't mean that Mary's policy is not subject to being an asset. It is because they're married. The only way to avoid that is a divorce from what I've been told. So if you don't have long-term care, it doesn't necessarily mean that that policy is protected. I talked to an attorney and said, oh, great, I have a client who is paying the policy premium, but his daughters are the owners. And he doesn't have long-term care. So he'll be okay because the owner is his daughter. And they said, he and the attorney told me, no, he won't. Because they will be able to track that he has paid the premium. So if he's put in $50,000 of premium over the last five years, the girls have to come up with the $50,000 of cash for the nursing home before Medicaid would kick in, or they have to hand over dad's policy, even though they're owners, because dad paid for it. And there's record of that because he wrote the check to the company or he gifted them the exact amount of the policy. And so if you want to avoid the Medicaid issue, then you don't want to have the company paying the premium if dad is part owner of the company. I am no attorney, people please call your attorney. But from what I understand, if son and dad own a business together, Medicaid can come after dad's 50% of the business. Guess what? If that LLC owns a policy on dad, that is subject to 50% of his business. So make sure that all of these things are protected. Make sure that your owner is right. If it's not right, it can be changed. 
but we have to have insurable interest. If I have a client right now who the LLC wants to buy a policy on mom and dad, but mom and dad are not part of the LLC. It's the siblings that own the LLC. Well, if the siblings own the LLC, there's no insurable interest in mom and dad in the LLC. There's insurable interest if they own it personally, but there's really no insurable interest from the LLC standpoint. So you can still own it personally and the beneficiary can still be you and you are part owner of the LLC. So it doesn't matter if you're honest, you'll put that money back into the LLC. So it there's ways of getting around it. We just have to think it through. So key man policies are super, super important. And they're not needed on mom and dad if mom and dad are taking care of themselves. If mom and dad have a policy and they have enough death benefit, the kids don't necessarily need to have one. It's always good to have one, but then that allows the kids to take care of themselves. So we have to kind of look at the full picture, but I wanted you guys to really get a, a nice breakdown on what these key man policies are and the protection you need around them and the ownership and the fact that other people have to be okay with it. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times we've tried to do a key man policy and mom and dad come back and say, hell no, it's not happening. Or we'll do one and we can't disclose what the other family member is making for income because it's confidential. And we can do that. We can make that very confidential so nobody sees it. But there, and, and a lot of times the other person wants to talk to me to make sure that it's a legitimate thing because most people don't talk about it. And so we approach that with caution a little bit because we don't just walk up to somebody and go, hey, I want to insure your life in case you die. Okay, so why? Right, Because the first thing that comes to my mind is, do you want to make money off of me when I'm dead? Um, no. But when we can explain to mom and dad that we need a policy on your life because you have worked really, really hard to build what you're, to build the operation, you've worked really hard for that. I'm just trying to make sure that it's still here. I just want to make sure I can buy out the siblings. I want to make sure that I can have operating money. Those are the reasons why we're buying this death benefit. We're not buying death benefit so we can go buy a house in Hawaii, for heaven's sakes. We're buying death benefit on this other person so that we know we can continue on this family legacy. So we can do that with mom and dad either buying that policy or us buying it. If we are in business with siblings, each sibling should have a policy on each other. Because when one passes, the other one is either going to have to buy out the spouse, take over more operating. It absolutely does not matter. There needs to be crisscrossing of policies on each person's life. Um, you can even buy a policy on a landowner. So if you are leasing from a landowner and you have the first right of refusal so when that person dies, you have the first option to buy. Well, we're going to need maybe some death benefit on that owner because we want to make sure we have enough money for a down payment or we want to make sure that we have enough money to buy it from their heirs. So we maybe don't have to go to the bank or, gosh, like 
What if we're young and that person passes in just a couple of years and we have, there's no way a bank's going to give us money. So I look at that and say, we've leased that land for five, 10, 15 years, and we've put all the nutrients in it and we've got that ground exactly where we want it to be. I want to be able to keep that because I just raised the price of that for the next buyer and those and those family members. And that might be a conversation that you have with the landowner and their family so that somebody doesn't think that they're getting rich. But if you're doing any kind of contract for deeds or anything like that, make sure you're talking about key man policies. If you have an owner finance, if... I have a client going through this right now, um, an owner finance. The owner is financing them to buy the land. That owner can have a life insurance policy on them because if I'm going to buy land from John, I can have, John can have a policy on me because there's insurable interest. We have a contract for deed. I also will probably want a policy on John's life. So that if he passes, what does the contract say? Do I have to buy out his heirs? Do I get another 10 years? What's going on in that contract? If upon John's death, I need to buy out his heirs and they can call my note, then I need to have some life insurance on John. So there's insurable interest there as well. But there has to be insurable interest. There has to be insurable interest. I can't just insure somebody because, you know, he is a hired hand and comes and mows your lawn. Like, no, that's not going to work. He has to be a key man. And if you ever Google, you can Google this just for fun maybe, but Walmart got in trouble for this because they had key man policies on their greeters. Well, anybody can be a greeter. So you can't do it on just anybody's life. And the insured really needs to understand what's going on because the family... This is exactly what happened to Walmart. The families came back and said, hey, Walmart doesn't deserve that death benefit. That was on my family member. Walmart paid the premium. The insured signed off on it. Walmart got the death benefit. So we want to make sure that we're doing it correctly and we're not taking advantage of anybody. And there has to be some insurable interest. So I hope that that um, helped a little bit with key man policies because they are so important and they have to be done right. You have to visit with an attorney if you want to make sure that they are legally protected from lawsuit and from nursing home, okay? If you do not have a long-term care policy, you need to be looking for long-term care. Family needs to be looking for long-term care. I also do long-term care. So you can give me a call on that, but it is so, so important. And farmers understand that because they don't want to lose the farm to Medicaid. But at the end of the day, do we have enough long-term care to protect everything else that we have going? So if you have enjoyed the podcast, please, please, please leave me a five-star rating. I appreciate that. And please share this with others. I truly appreciate that as well. Because as I always say, I need your help spreading the word and changing the way that this industry is financed. We really need to get back control and we really need to be independent again. So let me know if there is anything that you want to hear from me, Mary Jo at withoutthebank.com. And I would be happy to share that information on here. 
because this is all about education. The more I can educate you, the happier that I am. Um, Please let me know if there is anything I can do for you as well. If you do not have the book, it is farmingwithoutthebank.com and check us out on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Thanks and you guys have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening to the Farming Without the Bank podcast. We hope today's episode has inspired you to take control of your finances in new ways. Don't forget to check out our website, farmingwithoutthebank.com, and engage with us on our Facebook page, Farming Without the Bank. Join us next week as we smash more financial myths and empower you to accomplish your financial goals. 